Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. On the I Work For Him show, we try to focus on discussions that will challenge you to change the way you think about workplace ministry and your life in Christ. And today, we're going to really stretch you. In fact, today is the first time we've had on this show a musician missionary that travels around the world, and we're actually going to play music on this show live. That's right, live on the I Work For Him show. That's right, you're going to hear about that later during the second segment. All right, in the office, in the office, in my office today, in the studio, we have Thomas Dickerson with Calling All the Nations Ministry, and he's here to share his testimony and also share what is it like to run a family-run ministry and how it impacts your personal life, his family life, and his marriage and we also have in studio, incognito, and not in front of a microphone, his handler. That's right, Tim Gregson. That's right, Tim Gregson. Local famous... <laughs> oh, no. He's just incognito. That's right. He's not going to say anything, but he's here in the studio. So if anybody's wondering, he's here. If you're wondering for it. If your wife is looking for it, we know where he is. Yes. Thomas, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thanks for having me. Honored to be here. I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, as as a basis for really what we do here on I Work For Him, 
I want my listeners to hear from your heart about how Christ has, Im- has impacted your life. And I really, your testimony is really the reason why you're here, because typically I don't bring in musicians on my show, which I don't know why, because it's your workplace, it's your mission field. I, I don't know, I guess it's just, I'm not, I'm so anti-musician because I can't sing a note. So I'm grateful to have you here. You're stretching my paradigm, even you sitting here in the chair. <laughs> so I want to hear... You know your testimony is fantastic, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I don't want to give it away. So let's just let's just go with it. Talk about how Jesus Christ impacted, intersected, and turned your life upside down. Yeah, uh, in 2006, um, Jesus just absolutely changed my life. I was one of those guys that grew up in the church and, and Christian culture, heard everything there is to know about Jesus and the cross and the Bible, and was even. Uh, a full-time youth pastor and worship leader for about eight years before I actually met Jesus in a personal way. And uh, man, uh, it, it, the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him is uh, night and day, life and death, really. Okay, and I figured you were going to take like five minutes to get to that. So you get right to the chase. You cut right to the chase. All right, you're a youth minister. You're a worship <laughs> pastor for eight years. Yeah. And then you met Jesus. Absolutely. How in the world did that... Was that at a Baptist church? Yeah. <laughs> you would have get into that, don't you? <laughs> no, no, no. I go to a Baptist church every day. You know, I, I just... Was, was it? It wasn't. It no. wasn't? No. no, no, no. I'm just trying to figure out how in the world that... Ha- I mean, how'd you get through the interview process not truly being a Christ follower? Well, the thing about it is, I think that... Um, and this is part of the reason why maybe uh, God called me to be an evangelist since I got saved, because I think you can be, especially in America, you can be in and out of churches every single week. You can hear message after message. You can go to a conference. You can you can hear it on the television. We're really saturated with different aspects of the gospel. And so, um, but the real question is, is has your life been changed by Jesus? Do you actually know him? And what I'm, what I'm going to point out is that I went all those years knowing it in my head. I mean, I could quote you scripture. I could talk about uh, the Lord, quote you a Bible verse. Uh, I knew a lot of worship songs as a worship leader. So on the outside, you would have absolutely never guessed that uh, I wasn't a Christian. I absolutely thought that I was. But on my per- in my personal life, when it came down to an actual relationship with Jesus, there were so many issues in my life uh, with sin and just with there was no joy there was no real lasting peace in my life and so I knew how to be in ministry I knew how to do that as a vocation but I was lacking the most important part and didn't even know it and that's a scary place to be. Yeah, I, I love it the way our, our all three of us we went to the Dominican in the fall of 2009, and and I love the way our missionary friend Kenneth Bluche says it when he's when he's when he's sharing the gospel in those local villages. He says, "Do you got you got Jesus in your head, or you got Jesus in your heart?" I mean, because you had a lot of head knowledge, you grew up in church, right? But it never impacted your it never impacted your heart. No, in fact, I I didn't understand why there was such an empty feeling, and I and and, and since I've been. Uh, in ministry since then and, and going around to different churches of all denominations and around the world, I'm finding that there are a lot of people out there like me, maybe millions of them, that are sitting in churches all over the place, whatever your denomination is, and, and they're wondering, is there more to Christianity than just you know, this feeling of just defeat and just coming every week? And is there a life to be had where I can actually have a personal relationship with the God of the universe? And, and so what happened was I get to sort of maybe year seven or eight of this, and I've got all the titles you could ever want. I mean, a huge million-dollar building, 80-acre campus. I'm leading worship. Everybody knows me in the city as a worship leader in Atlanta, and I'm doing all this kind of uh, ministry. And, uh, and, but there was something missing. There was just something missing. And so the more I studied and the more I knew and the more that I got into theology and all these types of things, and I didn't really, it was really 
about me. It was really about what can I learn? What can I do to build up my own Christianity? My focus was never on the lost. It was never on inviting people to Jesus. And some places and some environments in the Christian culture or churches are not really focused out. They're focused in. And so what happened was I'm building up all this knowledge about the Bible. But the more I do that, the more empty I felt on the inside until I came across a verse in Galatians that said, it's for freedom that Jesus Christ has set you free. And I thought, that's what I want. Now, how do I get that? And so eventually, I became so disturbed by, by uh, not finding uh, that freedom that I just resigned from the church, went off into the world to see if I could find answers there. And I'm very fortunate that that season, I mean, I really went out there. I won't go into detail about all the things I got into, but things I never thought I would do. Just to find out, is it about money? Is it about uh, you know relationships with women? Is it about this? And just try to find the answer to the void that was in my life. And um, it wasn't until I ended up uh, at a at a, a church, a Baptist church in in Atlanta, uh, where I ended up meeting who would be my future wife, and I began to talk with her. And when I met Gina, she talked about Jesus like she really knew him, and something really impacted me about that. We eventually get married, and and I start to interact with her. Her parents, her dad's been a minister for over forty five years, and she comes from a real strong Christian background. But the more I hung out with them, I saw that they had something I didn't have. I had what I would call religion, but I didn't know what they had. They just they would talk about Jesus all the time. They talked about how he was coming, and, and they had a love and a care and a joy and a peace that I didn't have. And, that's, and so began this interest in maybe they have something that I'm missing in my life. And I want to talk more about that after the break, but, you know, it, it's... It is so frustrating for people. They they just they don't understand that when Jesus really impacts your life, when you become a Christ follower, everything about you starts to change, and that's how you really know whether somebody's got head knowledge or heart knowledge because you're seeing the same things over and over again. You're like nothing's changing, man. When when, my, when I put my life in Christ's hands, everything about me started to change. We have just begun talking with Thomas Dickerson, famous musician from Atlanta, on the I Work for Him show today, talking about how Jesus Christ. Really? I mean, your whole testimony, if you miss the first 15 minutes of today's show, you've already missed a lot. But talking about how Thomas was a youth pastor and a worship minister, which he led to singing at his church, and then he found Christ. And so, Thomas, we were just in there where you, you left the church, you went out to find the freedom that Jesus promised in Galatians, or, or that Paul writes about in Galatians, that, that Christ talks about, and, and, you, and you searched the world to see if you could find those answers. I couldn't find it. And I didn't know what I was missing. I thought, well, I've been in Christianity most of my life. I've been around the Christian culture. At this time, in my, I'm in my early 20s, and now I go off to party with a bunch of friends. We're doing all kinds of stuff I never thought I'd do. And, and we would party at my house. They'd leave the house. And I remember just this feeling of just you know emptiness and just almost crying out loud that, man, if it's not in – at the time I was thinking this. If it's not in Christianity, if it's not in the church, and if it's not in the world, then what is wrong with me? What am I missing? Because, you know, when you, if you come from kind of a religious background and you miss that relationship with Jesus, what you're doing is you're just trying to see how good you can get to, you know, to become part of a relationship with God. And it doesn't really work that way. So Christianity without Jesus is one of the most miserable places I've ever been. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's all the hope with, with, with all, all the hype. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, well, it's just empty like all the rest of the religions, but at least <laughs> they give you hope because the rest of the religions say, well, you could just work towards uh, you know, nirvana or heaven. But in Christianity, Jesus says he's the only way. So right. it, it, it kind of wrecks your life because there's no way to earn it because it says in the Bible you can't earn it. or You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You know, it's not by your works. And so, wow, yeah, Christianity without Jesus real, really isn't Christianity. 
Right. And I, I, I didn't understand. So it's not in the world. I just knew by the things I was doing and my friends that had been partying for years looked at me and said, Thomas, we never imagined that you would go head first into all the stuff that we've been doing for years and do it faster and harder than, than even we're doing. And I was real fortunate. Like I said, I got a call from a, a local Baptist church to come in and do a summer series. It was there that I met my future wife, Gina, and she began to talk about Jesus. We get married. When I when I even asked her dad if I could marry her, he asked me very blunt questions. Do you know Jesus? And I answered, absolutely. I I love him. I'd, I'd die for Jesus. And I love your daughter. I'd die for her. You know, So I would I, I knew how to quote the Bible. It wasn't until we get married that not, you know, a little bit after that, Gina begins to see that there's a whole other side of Thomas. There's a whole other side of me that, that doesn't match up with the guy that gets up on Sunday morning to, to you know, lead worship and that has all on the outside. But um, And so I had a lot of, when you're married like that, your spouse kind of reflects back at you who you really are. And so what, what I did not know began to happen was Gina just began to talk to me about the unconditional love of God. Because at the time, I didn't believe it. I actually didn't believe Jesus loved all people. I thought he just loved me and maybe a few others. And it was just one of those things where, where Gina was saying, God loves everyone. And whosoever calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. And I was like, Get, don't talk to me about that. I mean, I would just argue with her for hours. They began to stop. Uh, her and her family began to stop um, uh, arguing with me and just started to, to really love me and show me what real Christianity is about. And I began to see Jesus in them. And what happened was, uh, I didn't know this, they began to pray for me to get saved. That's the honest truth. And now, <laughs> How freaky was it for Gina to think she married a Christian guy and she didn't? Probably terrifying. As, as I later came to know, and you'll hear how, how I came to know Jesus and how God intersected in my life personally, but um, I, I, I imagine it was overwhelming. I think she was calling her parents on a daily basis saying, what do I do? I mean, he said he was this, and now I've discovered that he's not. I had a lot of major issues in my life with sin, and I just was going in the wrong direction. I wasn't a good guy to live with, and I especially didn't want to talk about God's unconditional love for every single person. But let me <laughs> let me tell you, what happened was they began you know, praying for, uh, for me to get saved, to meet Jesus, to meet the God of unconditional love. Uh, they were able to see that I was a man that claimed to know Jesus but lacked the power thereof and didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. So uh, this is an amazing thing. What happened was God began to wake me up in the middle of the night with songs. Now, I don't read music. I just... God gave me this gift from an early uh, age, and I just, I've never been able to read it, never made sense to me. But when I heard it, I just was a, I would be able to write a song. And so God would make me up in the middle of the night during this time of two and a half years that they were praying for me to meet Jesus. And one morning I woke up, I heard, You are the God who made the earth and the sky, the land and sea, the stars in the sky bow down to your name. Glory to God. And so I ran to the piano in the middle of the night, and out came this song. Every part of the lyrics were about God's unconditional love for every single person in the world, and I put that on my first CD. But it was God who was giving me the songs. God was reaching out to me to show me that He was a God of unconditional love. And so, um, about two and a half years into it, I'm driving in a car with my wife on 85 going from Greenville, South Carolina to back to Atlanta from a, a recording um, meeting about a record deal that I was looking into. And the guy asked me a question, you know, why are you making a Christian CD? And it was the first time in my life I had no idea what to say back. Up until that point, for 26 years, I'd always had a Christian answer, kind of a Christianese, if you call it. I mean, I knew what to say in the Christian world. I'm making it for God. I'm making it for glory. But I knew in my heart, I had no idea why. In that car, God really got a hold of my life. I don't know how to explain it, but it was almost like God showed me if I were to die that night, I would surely die apart from him. 
And I remember crying out, Lord, have I been against you? You see, I'd been teaching my youth group that God didn't really love everybody, just loved some. And, and, and Gina had just been praying for me. And it was almost like the Lord said, yeah, Thomas, you're, you're, you're serving against me. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I was overwhelmed, crying in the car, driving. Gina's watching this, can't hear the Lord speaking to me. But, but truly, God is real. He's alive. He can speak to your heart. And so I knew what was happening. And God brought me to John chapter 3, an interaction between Jesus who is God, and Nicodemus, a guy mm-hmm. that knew the Bible. Right. And Nicodemus is like, Jesus, you have to be from God. There's no way that you could be performing these miracles. And Jesus says something profound to him. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And I thought, I cried out to God in that car, Lord, have I never been born again? And the Lord said, no. And like a child, I said, Lord, would you come into my life? Jesus, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I believe you died on a cross for me and that you rose again. Would you just come in and save me and change me? And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm sitting in this seat right now, at that moment I knew that I had met Jesus, and I heard two things from the Lord. Thomas, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now go and declare my name to the nations. And I looked at Gina and said, Gina, Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's not a religion. He's not a doctrine. He's not a building. He's alive. And he told me to go declare his name to the nations. I said, did you know that I wasn't a Christian? And she said, <laughs> she said, yes, Thomas, I've been on my knees. We've been praying for you that you would meet the God of unconditional love, that you would meet Jesus. I said, is this the good news? Can you imagine that, being a minister for eight years and 26 years in the church? I actually said, which is what gospel means, good news. I said, is this the good news? She said, yeah, Thomas. I said, then we got to go tell as many people as possible for the rest of our lives that Jesus is alive and whosoever calls on Jesus can be saved. He really is real. He's alive. It was like, it was like unbelievable to finally know that what I'd been missing wasn't something. It was someone. It was the living God. His name is Jesus. And from that day, April the 1st, April Fool's Day 2006, my life has been changed because Jesus saved me and I was born again, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus. Mm. All right, so listen, it's time to go for our book segment, which is always brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. And uh, Karis Christian Books and Gifts has been part of the Largo community for over 29 years, located in the, first, the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Almerton Road in Largo. Their 2,400 square foot store is open to the public seven days a week. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S.com. Be the first person to call into the studio line, 855 855-265-2929 and I will send you a copy of Thomas's CD All of my life I thought that I was saved I had the answers I knew just what to say But they were nine on the voice this he said to me you must be born again you must be born again I can set you free new life is found in me I'm who you're searching for your savior and your lord I've come to live within and now your life I've traveled just to find They lead me nowhere And leave me deaf and blind But instantly the light appeared 
scales fell off my eyes And now I see that I am born again I am born again I have been set free And Jesus lives in me Now I search no more My Savior and my Lord Has come to live within And now my life may truly begin Nor hide or death for death, no angels or demons, the powers that linger in the shadows of the night shall be able to separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. You must be born again, you must be born again. I can set you free, your life is found in me. You know, your workplace is your mission field, and your mission field is your workplace, and you've been all over the stinking world. <laughs> I mean, you've been from not sea to shining sea. You've been from, I mean, you've done the whole globe, haven't you? Have you been Have you been <laughs> Australia yet? Not yet. Not New yet. Zealand yet? Not yet. Okay, so we're, you haven't hit the South Pacific yet. You missed the South Pacific. We went as far as India will be in the Philippines in March, and then... We're just going. What about Europe? There's a lot of lost people in Europe. You yeah, there? we got invited to the Isle of Man uh, to do something there. So where's that? Well, that's in the Irish Sea. Okay, all right. So it's the middle of the ocean, and so okay. So okay. So you haven't been to Great Britain yet. You haven't not been yet. To the, to the old no, Russian Republic. No, there's a Republic. lot of nations. Not yet. All right. So let's get going. What are you waiting for? Well, I'm ready. I'm okay. Ready to all right. Go. But you spent a lot of time where there's billions of people living in India. Have you been in the? You can't talk about. Have you been in China? I'm having you to ask. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you to get killed or something like that. Okay, we won't bring that up again. Sorry, I didn't bring it up. Yes, if you are a Christ follower in China, that's okay. I'm glad you're listening. Just be careful. Okay, so listen, I want to talk. This is a workplace show, and your mission field, your ministry, calling all the nations, singing to people, sharing the gospel, being an evangelist, that's your workplace every day. I want to talk about how is it, you know, the priorities that God lays out for us in life. Our number one priority is our relationship with Him. The one thing that we bring with us is our already developed relationship with Him. When we die, we go to heaven, we are already established in relationship with Him. And so He wants us to invest in that relationship each and every day we walk on this earth. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what Christ said in John 10.10. 10, I came so that you might have life and live it to the fullest. And He meant in the fullness of that relationship that we have with God, our Heavenly Father. So that, rela- that personal relationship. Then we've got our, our marriage relationship. You're married to Gina, and and the poor woman. You know, you know. I just thank God every day that you did finally come to Christ because I can't imagine what her first two and a half years were. Oh my word! I married a non-believer who's a pastor. <laughs> I just can't imagine those conversations that she had. Uh, and so then you've also got your. That's your number one ministry is to your wife. Your number one mission field is to your children. All of those things are more important than anything you do anywhere else in the world. So how has being a missionary? across the country and across the world impacted your personal walk with the Lord? Well, uh, I'm a work in progress for sure because you have to 
undo God has had to undo a lot of what I built before I came to know him so the real godly person in our house my wife uh, she's not in front of people but she's um, she you know showed me who Jesus was prayed for me and now she's seen both me before Jesus and after Jesus so I'm learning I'm learning I've, I've asked her dad who travels with me to all these nations and he uh, teaches hundreds of pastors before we do these open air crusades in Indian African places and I just on the plane I just I just started asking him just hundreds of questions but um, you know it's impacted my life in that a life of religion is is just like void. A life with Jesus is the most exciting life you can live. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just it's really the difference between life and death for me. It's like you hear what He wants you to do, and how I know going to the mission field is I would have never chosen to do that. And I didn't, I only knew one missionary. I had met him five days before I got saved. Who came through, happened to come through my church. He was a missionary in El Salvador. That was the only missionary I knew. I said, Lord, you want me to go to the nations? How? When? What? And where? And so it's had an impact on my life because I feel like. It's it's uh, God has put me in a position where it's out of my comfort zone, and so the only person that's left when I get up to preach about Jesus, and I open up and I say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will never die but have everlasting life, and I begin to share the gospel with Hindu people or Muslims in Uganda or, or in a church in America, whatever, wherever I am, it's, it's I hope. That it's Jesus in me that's actually speaking through me, and that's really so. I'm before I get up to to preach, I'm like, Lord, please help me, please use me. I'm way out of my comfort zone. Help me. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, I, how much caffeine did you put in this guy? I never thought I could. Act. I mean, you talk fast. All right, what I what the the, the where I, I want to go back to it. I'm just going to revisit it again. Is it sometimes? I mean, do you find that your ministry sometimes gets in the way of your relationship with God? Well, I don't think that God is impressed by me at all, and he, and he doesn't want me to... Uh, <laughs> I would agree. He's not impressed by anybody. He, he doesn't need me. Right. He doesn't need me to do this. And so where the line can sometimes cross is where I think that I can do the ministry, and where God continually brings me to a place where I realize, oh yeah, he really just wants a relationship with me. So I think what he wants from me, and this is, by the way, this is something I'm learning as I go, is is that he wants to spend time with me personally. That's what he cares about the most. And 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 it's really his work. It's his great commission. He does the work. I can't save anybody. Right. And so, so I will say this in a confession to you and anybody that's listening is I can err on the side of sometimes thinking that I can do this ministry. And then God brings me and humbles me through my wife and others <laughs> to remind me that you know this is about Jesus and that's I'm so grateful that God does that brings me back to a place where I'm totally dependent upon him and he says hey Thomas come spend time with me spend some time in my word let's let's hang out together let's spend time in a relationship together and it's out of that that I then realize wow Jesus I'm so sorry that I even tried to take the reins this is all about you well and I think you'll also find that God will use your children to humble you okay a ministry you've got a job and a ministry and they're together they're the same how how have you kept the proper balance because your number one ministry is to your bride yeah. You know, to love her like Christ loved the church and to lift her up and to build her up and to feed her and to lead her spiritually. That's your number one ministry. And and that's more important than your mission, your children. And it's more important than all the work you do because you married her, you have a covenant relationship with her. How has being in the business of ministry 
impacted your marriage, and how have you dealt with sometimes those challenges? Well, I tell you, in the months after meeting Jesus, uh, we, Gene and I took some walks. This is before we had our two boys, and and uh, there was some healing that needed to take place in, <laughs> in, in our marriage. And uh, she, she would be the first to tell you that, you know, she was kind of skeptical at first. I mean, here's a guy that claimed he knew, and how do I know that he really got saved in that car? And so it's it took some years of just sort of healing, and I had to be real patient not to say, why, well, why don't you believe me? I mean, I've been saved. I'm called to the nations. I'm going to go into ministry, and I'm going to go evangelize. And, and Gina just very much, uh, she's a very calm, even-keeled person, and just said, I need, I need some time to heal. And uh, so I'd say uh, I'm a work in progress, as I think anybody is that's married. We've been married for uh, 10 years. And uh, just learning how to how to pray with her and how to lead. And so I'm, I'm learning how to do that. And mm-hmm. I, I think you're right, though. I think if the family and the marriage relationship relationship in our spiritual life but we we do love listening to messages together we'll sit and listen to a guy named adrian rogers who's already gone to be with the lord and we'll listen to sermons we'll talk about it and i value her opinion outside of jesus i value her thoughts and insights and if there's something that comes up i said gina what do you think about this and she says i don't think you should do it uh, in my early marriage years i would have just pushed forward and done it and regretted it and now and now i just kind of yes i lean on her she's got a real uh, spiritual gift of discernment just says thomas i think you ought to or here's what i think about what's going on and so well, and what's so important is is for every man who is married and has that wife in his life, that is true. It, it, women have a natural gift of discernment. They have women's intuition that God gives them. Women hear God easier than men do because of how they're wired. And if your wife is speaking to you and you ignore your wife, you are stupid. Okay, <laughs> You're just stupid. And even duct tape can't fix stupid. So, I mean, that's just, that's just a blunt thing, but any man can say, you know, my wife told me not to do that. I did it anyway. And yeah, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah, that's one time fine learn from it second time you do it twice you're just stupid okay because god gives us our wives as a gift and when we're not listening they probably are okay so okay so you've had you did you you look like you're baited you can't wait to say something just say something you know <laughs> I, I, you don't I'm, agree no i i do I, I i have learned and am learning out of my marriage so much uh from what Jesus describes as, you know, we are the bride of, of Jesus Christ. And so I would say the learning curve is huge. Steep, very steep. Huge on my side when it comes to Gina. She's been very patient with me. I think a lot of wives wait for their husbands to really take that lead and, and do that in the home and, and to be the one that comes together and says, hey, we need to pray over this. Well, and that is such a powerful statement. What you just said, a lot of wives are waiting for their husbands to take the reins. Gentlemen, Who's ever listening there today and whoever listens to this broadcast in the future, your wife is waiting for you to lead. Step up, boys. This is it's amazing. If you want to know what's wrong with our country, if you want to know what's wrong with our churches, it's that men have not stepped up and started leading in their families and their wives are tired of waiting. And your marriage is falling apart, your kids are a mess because you won't do what you've been called to do. Lead your families. Wow, Thomas, way to hit one of my soapboxes. If there's one I'd like to ride all day long, it's if we could fix marriages, if men would lead. We can fix kids, if men would lead. We can fix churches, if men would lead. Why? Why do we have such a plague of men not leading in this country and in this world? It's such a it's such a plague. And really, it started with our grandfather, Adam. He was there. He could have protected Eve. Right from the beginning, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. With Thomas Dickerson, I found somebody who can out-talk me on the radio. Never thought it was possible. And we've been talking in the last 15 minutes. The first 30 minutes were all about Thomas's testimony, and he sung his testimony on the air. So if you missed the first 30 minutes of the I Work For Him show today, you've got to go back and listen to Thomas's testimony and the song about his testimony. 
testimony. And and we like to thank Gina for letting him come here today after all that Thomas put him through, put yes. her through. Yes. All right. In the last 15 minutes, we've really been talking about the impact of running a business, which is a ministry, on your personal walk with the Lord, on your married life. And, and then Thomas got me on the on the whole deal of you know women around America are waiting for their husbands to stand up. And I will tell you, men, you know sometimes you're wondering why your wife doesn't submit to you. I will tell you this: if you lead her and love her like Christ loved the church, if you will take the reins in your household and lead like a loving Christ-like man, no woman would ever have a hard time submitting to that. Never. Never, ever would a woman have a hard time submitting to that because she's been waiting for that. But it may take some time to believe that you're actually going to do it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a revolution in this country because we're not only do we want men to lead in their households, we want men and women to lead in their workplaces and be Jesus to all those people they work with alongside each and every day. Thomas, you're running a business that's a ministry. We talked about the impact on your marriage. Talk about the impact on your children. you got two boys. How do you balance that that fighting for the time for your boys and the time for ministry because they're all demanding all your time. Yeah, they uh, have two boys, Chase, who's three, and Jonathan, who's one, so they're real young. They so Jonathan's not really you know, pounding you too hard yet. Not yet. But Chase is a go getter. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, I don't think they fully obviously understand. They know that Chase knows that daddy got on a plane today and they know that I'm here. But I, I, fortunately, I work out of my house and I get, I get a lot of time uh, with the boys and it ebbs and flows. I, I might be a couple months before I go off to the mission field for, for some time. So I get a lot of time with them. I, I think. The relationship with my boys is that they're gonna they're gonna watch what I do, as my wife said to me even last week. You know, as we talk, you know, they said they're he, they're watching everything you do, Thomas. And well, there's a huge accountability. Those boys are your number one ministry. Yeah. All of that ministry that you're doing all over the world doesn't matter if you're neglecting your ch- your right. your boys, and that you have to be intentional in your ministry to your kids. And it and and as business people, we sit around this table and we get lots of different business expertise. It is so easy to get caught up as men in the work that we do and not pay enough attention to our kids. I mean, it's easy to work 12 and 13 hour days and forget about the kids and a wife that's at home. So how, what is your plan? What do you and Gina have mapped out to keep that from happening as your boys need you more and more? Because from here on out, they need you more and more and more and more and more and more, and more up until the point in time they go off to college. Every day they need you more. And from 13 to 18, they need you so much but they tell you they, they don't, but they need you more than ever. So how, what's your plan for balancing that? Yeah, I think that we take it a day at a time. <laughs> That's good. It's hard to even well, imagine my boys I, being teenagers now because... We got, you know... How about dating? They're dating already. You blinked. They're dating. Yeah, well, that's that's incredible. I, I think, uh, as everybody's told me, and Tim, you would know that things go by a lot quicker. When people say they're kids, you think they're going to be that small forever, but everybody keeps saying to me, it goes by really, really quick. And so the time is, is limited, and, and um, you know, I, I think that boys... You know, and children, they they just want to spend time with me. I took Chase yes, to, to, to Dunkin' Donuts the other day, or I took him to... That the, was evil. And uh, and he just loved it. He loved just sitting with me one-on-one, getting to pick out whatever he wanted, and just, he just, it was all about him, just, just daddy and, and, and Chase. So you and fed so. him full of sugar, and then brought him back home, and, and I brought him back okay. home, and I took off. I say, I gotta work, honey. Here you go. <laughs> but, He's fully sugared up. Yeah, I think they're just gonna, they're gonna watch. I think the they greatest are. thing that I can show them is that Jesus is real, and that I can, sh- I can live that out in the house as much as uh, daddy going to a crusade in, in India to to share with 
uh, villages have That's no right. Jesus. Transparency and vulnerability are the two most powerful things that a husband and father can bring home. If you can be real with your kids, let them know how screwed up you are really in your head, but that Jesus has redeemed that and he's restoring you. Those are powerful yeah. testimonies. And I think it's a challenge that at some point in the day when I'm up in my office and in our home to kind of turn that off. It's time to turn work off and it's time to be a dad and time to be a husband. And that can be a challenge for, I think, a lot of guys. It's a challenge for me. I'm kind of, I was thinking about being down here in Tampa and so I had to be able to you know, it's a challenge to turn that off and to really focus on my family. Oh, I, I agree, and, and it is a challenge, and we'll be praying for you. It, it is, it's a challenge for each, each of us in the workplace. Each of us have jobs, and, and you know, it's no longer a plague just among men to be workaholics. There's a lot of women that have adopted that plague as well, and it is such a danger for us to neglect our family because it's fun to work, and we get a lot of feedback, positive feedback, and yet when we go home, because we haven't been investing in home, we get less and less and less and less positive feedback, so we spend more and more time away from home. So it, it is a challenge. You, when I when I bring you back on the radio show, you know, in the future, I'm going to ask you that follow up question to see how you're doing because by then Chase will be five, and you said Jonathan was it? No, Jonathan. Jonathan, yeah. he'll be three. When next time I get you back down here in front of the, mu- the music, singing on the song you know, on the radio, I want to know. I want to yeah. know how you're doing. Well, then you can just call Gina on a lifeline. Well, next time we'll bring Gina on the, the show. <laughs> Gina, if you want to call in and give us some hints on on uh, Thomas, you can call in eight five five two six five twenty nine twenty nine. Call in quick. All right. So, how do people find out more about Thomas Dickerson and Calling All the Nations. Uh, they can simply go to callingallthenations.com, and uh, that's our ministry website. They can see uh, footage and pictures from the mission field where we've been to African, Indian, all over the United States and different places. And uh, there's music on there. We've got three albums, and all the proceeds from that go to help send me to the Philippines and other places. So uh, callingallthenations.com is the base, best place to kind of see what we do and and uh, really get a, an idea that there's people that are still living in the world that have never even heard about Jesus. And that to me is always remarkable. And there's probably it's probably not just a billion people. It's probably a couple billion people Absolutely. who have never heard the name of Jesus. Sure. I mean, it's it's amazing. Now, in America, there's a lot of people that don't believe in Jesus, but they've heard the name because he's associated with every other four-letter word because right. he, he uses the name all the time. And, and that's what's amazing is in our country, at least Jesus is on every lips, just not necessarily in an appropriate way. Right. But but in other countries, you know, that's not that's not how it is. It's not. Uh, we were in Uganda. It was the largest Muslim population in the city that we were in, and we did an open-air crusade and talked about Jesus. And we had, and, and uh, most of them had never really heard that Jesus is God, that he really is the way, truth, and life. We had over 600 Muslims turn away from their religion in, in, into a relationship with Jesus. And we saw over 1,700 Indian people in a remote village where they were living in leaf huts. Uh, worshiping all kinds. There's 300 million gods that they worship in India. And so, but we 300, came, 300 million? million, and there's more. And so when they came, we found the people that were looking for God, but had never heard about Jesus. And so by the end of four or five days there, we had over 1,700 Indian people that were living in these huts turned to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They understood exactly what Jesus had done for them, that he was God, and, they gave, and that he had given their lives for their sins and can set them free from that. And they truly give up their lives to follow Christ because in the Muslim nations like Uganda, or in, I mean, they're giving up their lives. They know that they could die for their faith the next day by proclaiming Christ. Absolutely. We had over 200 uh, Muslim students in four different high schools that we went to, and they had never heard that Jesus loves them, and we had uh, two, over 200 receive Jesus. It was really quite remarkable. And yes, some of those people might be excommunicated from the families or lose their lives. Alright, so you can get a hold of Thomas at callingallthenations.com 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 And on there, that you've got to contact us things so they can actually email you right there on the website? Absolutely. Okay, alright, yes. so callingallthenations.com and 
you know, I just, you know, it's been awesome. Listen, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show. Tomorrow on the I Work For Him show, we've got Bob Collins calling in with, uh, coming in, not calling in, but coming in with the National Christian Foundation, talking about stewardship and how Christian small businesses can make a huge impact on their communities. Tune in tomorrow, 5 o'clock, right here on Inspiration AM 1110 WTIS. Listen, the I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in a workplace. So I want you to ask yourself the question that Thomas asked himself a little over eight years ago. Are you a Christ follower? Do you got a lot of head knowledge about Jesus? Or has he impacted your life? Taken your heart and turned it upside down. If you want to know more about becoming a Christ follower, just email me. Jim at IWorkForHim.com Jim at IWork, the number four, Him.com Supporting the vision of I Work For Him on today's broadcast, we've got Most Insurance. Eric Most at Most Insurance. MostINS.com MostINS.com Call him for auto, home, life, and business insurance. And we've also got Jim Byers, your Good Faith Loan Officer, and you can reach him at goodfaithfl.com, goodfaithfl.com for mortgages and refinances. All right, look for more information on their, on our website about our show sponsors and also archives of all of our past shows, guest names, highlighted books, and music as of today. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.